You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So we want to continue today just to share on the secret to a blessed life. So last week we started and we touched on that it's all about the heart. It's about putting God first and it's about passing that test that uh, when it comes to tithes, we're just showing that we're putting God first. Amen. So I want to continue today on generosity begets generosity. And I often ask myself, am I a generous giver? Am I a generous giver? And I want to encourage you to ask yourself that question quite often. Am I a generous giver? Any person that gives, they are aware they are conscious of the future because the seeds that you are planting today will produce a harvest tomorrow or in the future. So if you want to change your life, your future, your destiny, you can do that by start planting different kinds of seeds today. That's why we always have to continue to plant righteous seeds. The kingdom of God is all about the righteousness of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness so you can plant those righteous seeds. Amen. Can you turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 and I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. When it comes to sowing seeds, whatever kind of seed that you are sowing, that you are planting, that will be multiplied back to you. So if you're planting one smile, you can expect a lot of smiles back. But if you are planting grumpiness, expect a lot of grumpiness back. So the seeds that you sow, that you plant, will be multiplied back to you. So that's why we have to be very careful what kind of seeds are we planting every day. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon and to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's the Amplified. The Message Translation said, I want each one of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Giving should make you happy. It should put a quality smile on your face. When you give something to people, put a quality smile on their face. When you're giving unto the Lord, put a smile on his face. He says, you can make the decision what you're going to give. Don't let anybody twist your arm or push you into something. Make a decision what you want to give. I think when you have the revelation and you understand everything that we are giving unto the Lord is what he has given us, then you can be a happy giver because you know God has blessed you and put you in that position that it's a, a rare and special grace. So we started last week and we, we looked at that it's 
all about the heart. And here again, you can see the Bible is saying, make up that decision, purpose in your own heart what you want to give. Then we said it's about putting God first. When you're giving, what are you giving to God? Are you giving to Him what you don't need? Or are you giving that which is really precious to you? So I think it's very important that when we give, to, to give with a generous heart. Growing up, I think most little children, babies, can, they say mine before they say mama. And we've trained our heart from a very young age. Mine, mine, mine. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John 12, 12 verse 1. And I want to just show you the, the heart when it, comes to, when it comes to generosity. So six days before the Passover feast, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had died and whom he had raised from the dead. You can imagine the excitement there being with Lazarus who's been raised from the dead. So they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of ointment of pure liquid nard, a rare perfume that was very expensive, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair, and the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, the one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii, a year's wages for an ordinary workman, and that money given to the poor, the destitute? It's questioning motives. And when we give, it always reveals our heart. Now, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the bag, the money box, the purse of the twelve, it took for himself what was put into it, filtering and collections. But Jesus said, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it for the time of my preparation for burial. She has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Ask yourself, am I a generous giver? Here we have two people's hearts being revealed. We have Judas Iscariot and we have Mary. She came and she brought a year's salary to anoint Jesus' feet. Judas looked at this and he saw it as an opportunity to steal. Immediately came and he said, why isn't this given to the poor? Why isn't this given to the poor? People with a heart that wants to steal, they always question other people's motives. But she just came. She was rejoicing. She was happy. Remember, her brother was just raised from the dead. It's good news for all of us because all of us have been raised from the dead. We've been giving new life in Christ Jesus. So here they are together. The way that she came and approached Jesus is very, very important. In Luke 7 verse 37... Another reference to this, it says, And behold, a woman of the town who was especially wicked sinner. I mean, people frowned at her, looked down upon her. When she learned that he was 
Reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment perfume, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair of her head, and kissed his feet affectionately, and anointed them with the ointment. She, when she came giving, didn't even consider herself worthy to face Jesus directly. The Bible in this reference in Luke says she came from behind. When we give, even when we give generously, we should do it in humility and sincerity of heart. We should give it in such a way that it honors God and gives honor to God and not honor to ourselves. When we give in humility and sincerity of heart, the Holy Spirit will affect our giving. And oftentimes what we do that seem very ordinary, it will have an extraordinary effect in the spirit. Can you see this woman's attitude? I mean, most people, if they have to come to church to give a year's salary, it will be a big parade. It will be a big announcement. But she came from behind, not even considering herself worthy to face Jesus. Behind a year's salary, to anoint his feet. When they questioned her motives, Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She didn't come giving, expecting anything. Sometimes when people come and they give their tithes and their offerings, they think because they've done that, they should get special service. But she didn't come in that way. It was not what you give that is so important, but the way that you give it, that really makes the difference. Her attitude. I mean, the Bible calls her here. I mean, can you imagine? Just want to announce that Mary is here today. She's an especially wicked sinner. <laughs> Welcome, would you feel, in church? An especially wicked sinner. We're not going to say what she's been doing, but just take note. She's an especially wicked sinner. But the Bible says when she came, she came with a humble heart. I mean, from a human point of view, what she was giving was very precious. I mean, Judas even took note and he said, shouldn't this be given to the poor? Why are we just wasting this on Jesus' feet? From a natural point of view, she was giving a lot. But she knew that what she was even giving, she was giving unto the Lord. She didn't even consider to receive anything back. But she came in that brokenness, in that humility, in that sincerity of heart, giving what her life depended upon, giving a generous gift. Her attitude was being able to give unto the Lord is a rare and special grace. Something that you do in humility and sincerity of heart. Not doing it to be seen by Jesus. Not even face him eyeball to eyeball. Saying, I just want to show you what I'm bringing, Lord. A year's salary. It was not her attitude. It was not the way that she approached it. Amen. When it comes to giving, giving always reveals our heart. We can see that Judas had selfish reasons. Judas thought 
that salvation was in money. If I can just have money, my life will change. But she knew it was not in the money. She knew if I could have Jesus that's more precious than silver and gold, everything in my life would change. Amen. Matthew 6 verse 1 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you do charitable deeds, don't do it to be seen by men, but do it that you know that you have a reward from your Father. I think I oftentimes hear people say, shouldn't this be sold and given to that? I think the most important thing here is that when you have that urge, when you think this should be sold, this should be sold, go look at your own motives. If you're so convinced about it, why don't you go sell all those things? How often hear people sell everything in your house and give it to the poor or give it to a ministry? You see that happening. But if people ask that of you, are they doing it themselves? Judas, if you were so concerned about the poor, why didn't he sell what he had and go give it to the poor? His motives were to steal and to take. He was not a generous giver, not in his heart, and God revealed that. Amen. I want to say that when you look at this, Mary coming, it was a time to rejoice. Her brother had been raised from the dead, and she came to say thank you to Jesus. She came to offer something. I want you to see she didn't offer this before the time. After the miracle was done, her heart was just so much full of joy and happiness that she just wanted to give something to the Lord Jesus Christ, to say thank you for what he has done. And Jesus said, leave her alone. What she is doing is for my burial. Sometimes when we give generously, she didn't give to receive, but when she gave generously, that which seemed ordinary in the natural had an extraordinary effect in the spirit. As I was preparing, I was looking at this and saying, Lord, what was it that really happened here? How did this woman change her future, her destiny, by the seed that she was planting? Because when you plant a seed, you are reshaping your future. I was like looking at this, she came and she really dishonored herself. She really came in humility and sincerity of heart. When we honor God in humility and sincerity of heart, God will honor us. God honors faith and humility the most. That's why faith and humility honors God the most. He said to them, you think what this woman doing is ordinary? She is busy anointing me for the challenges ahead, for my burial. What she is planting here is for my death. And you don't realize what she is doing. When I read, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 42. So also in this resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Mary is sitting here and she's anointing Jesus' feet. Jesus is saying, you're not understanding what she's doing. 
It seems ordinary to you from a natural point of view, but she's busy with something extraordinary. You're seeing me here in my natural body. She's anointing me and I'm going to be buried. But I want you to understand that when something has been planted, something new will be raised. Who was the person who saw Jesus in his glorified body the first time? Mary. What an honor. Not Peter, not John, but Mary, who said, where is my master? John 20 verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending, I'm alive, I've risen, I've been raised from the dead. To my father and your father, and to my God and your God. It was an extremely wicked sinner who came in humility and sincerity of heart, generously giving that which her life depended upon, not wanting to receive anything back, but that seed that she planted generously. After this, she knew that the seed that you plant can reshape your future. She was the one who shared that message. What a beautiful testimony of somebody sowing generously and their whole future being changed. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 teaches us that God always makes a way out. When Judas and Mary were confronted, their hearts were revealed. Both of them had a way out. Mary chose the way of life. And God made a way for her. But Judas made the decision to be disobedient, opened his heart for the devil, and that affected him, changed his future, and the way that he thought that seemed like life, money, was the end was death. But Mary that came and offered that year's salary was the very thing that changed the whole future. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you a generous giver? Ask them again, are you a generous giver? Family, it's never about the things. It's never about the money. When Jesus appeared to Peter, when he spoke to Peter, he said, do you love me? Do you love me more than all these things? Our focus so often is upon the money, where it should be upon Jesus. Jesus is the most generous giver. God the Father gave Jesus. He who had everything, he was rich beyond what you can imagine or dream. He became poor so that you can become rich. He has anything. The earth belongs to him. God is rich beyond your wildest imagination. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. But he knows the battle in our hearts it's always about the money. 
Who will you put on the throne? Who will you serve? Mammon or will you serve God? So I want to touch quickly on three areas where you have to be generous. Amen? Where you have to be generous. Before I go there, just think quickly. We touched on Abraham. Abraham only gave Isaac. It might seem like one thing, but he gave what was most precious and valuable to him. When you looked at Cain and Abel as well, Cain gave what he didn't really need. He maybe gave a lot, but he gave what he didn't. But Abel's heart was to put God first, to give that which was most precious to him. That's what it's really about. When a generous giver will always put God first in everything that you do. So when it comes to giving, there are three levels of giving that honors God. Number one, it's your tithes. That's the 10%, and we touched on that. Tithe always speaks about the test. It's the, the 10 plagues, the 10 commandments, the 10 virgins. So it's that test of really putting God first. I want to say when you give your 10%, you don't divide your 10%. You don't say, I'm giving 10% at my church. I'm giving 10% um, to this uh, organization that I want to help and another 10% for this person that I want to help. Your tithe comes to the store house. That 10% belongs to God and you give it at the storehouse, the church where God has planted you. It's in the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 3, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Pay your tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done. Can you see, he's saying, you as Pharisees, you're doing all these things. He says, but these things you ought to do. So, Tithing is in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. Hebrews 7 verse 8, Your mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So when we give, we're giving as unto the Lord. And then Luke 16 um, verse 11, you know, Who will commit to you the trust, the true riches, if you're not faithful with money? So that's the small test that we find ourselves in every day. Amen. Number two is offerings. Offerings is a thing that you decide where you want to give. So now you can sow into, say you feel I want to support or sow into this ministry, or I want to help this person. Those are your offerings. You see somebody in need, you just give them something to help them. Those are offerings. That's not part of your, of your tithes. And then what we've been talking to, about today is your generous giving. That's that generous giving. I almost want to say that extravagant giving or sacrificial giving. So if you think about David, when God's house had to be built, he was an extravagant giver. He was a generous giver. Um, sacrificial giving. So whether it's the large amount to help to build God's house or the widow giving the, the two mites, they are giving what their lives depend upon. David said, I will not give anything to the Lord. That cost me nothing. Amen. So to be a generous giver. Last week we touched on how much he really gave. When it comes to sacrificial giving, it will always require some kind of faith. When God will say to you, I want you to give this. I want you to sow this. 
I want you to help with this. It will always require some kind of faith. Remember, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the person that comes to God should believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word rewarder, this is the only time it appears in the Bible, rewarder. So when you come and you do that generous giving or sacrificial giving by faith, God is the one who will reward you. That word reward, or one of the parts of the word is actually where God will pay the wages. God is good to do what he said he would do. So when you step out in faith, believing God, then you know he is the one that will reward you. Some of you, you're going to have to step out in faith when it just comes to tithes. And that's good. Do it. You'll see God will reward you when it comes to that. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to reward me. Tell them again, say, God wants to reward me. Galatians 6 verse 7, I think you know it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. So if you want to tap into this generosity, you're going to have to trust the word of God. You're going to have to say, God, you are my rewarder. Take me from where I am to where you want me to be. Sometimes God will just speak a word to you and you have to be obedient. And when you're obedient to that word, everything starts to change. Genesis 8 verse 22, it says, from the beginning, seed time and harvest. That's Genesis 8 verse 22. When you go to Genesis 9 verse 1, God is busy speaking to Noah. So God blessed Noah and his sons and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Turn to the person next to you say, be fruitful and multiply. Family, why is this very important that God spoke to Noah and his sons? Because Noah had three sons. Three sons. Remember, this is here, the whole earth has been destroyed. You know, the rain, the ark, the whole story. This is after all of this where God says, seed time and harvest. So there's three sons left. All of mankind comes from these three sons. Who are the first three people that got saved in the New Testament? Are the three men representing Noah's three sons? So God said to Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? It means God wants every person to be blessed to multiply. The first three people that got saved, Paul, Nicodemus, the Ethiopian. That means God wants all of mankind to be saved, and God wants all of mankind to be blessed and to multiply. Amen. Go to verse 9. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in, in the earth and multiply in it. That simply means God wants to double up. Wants you to be fruitful, to multiply, and after you've multiplied, multiply, double up. 
Amen. That's a generous God. That's God that wants to do something unusual in your life. This is for every person here on earth. God wants them to experience that. Unfortunately, you have to tap into that. You have to get to that place where you can be generous and that you can tap into that multiplication miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, believe the word of God. Tell them again, say, believe the word of God. So if you want to tap into that multiplication blessing or anointing or grace, I've got good news for you. Because multiplication starts in the kingdom of God with what is in your hands, with what is in your own hands. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I want to show you something. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So number one, I'm going to touch a little bit on the next session, but can you see here that before God sent them out, he gave them power. God gave them power to fulfill their assignment as apostles. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 said, God has given you power to be successful because he wants to establish that covenant between you and him. So before God gives you an instruction, he will first empower you. He said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power, then go out and minister. So here Jesus has given them power. He says, go preach the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God, kingdom finances works differently. When you put your faith in trust, remember Isaac, even when he sowed, when there was a drought and there was a second drought, and he sowed, God gave him a hundredfold increase. Where other people were worrying about the drought, his trust was in God, the giver of life, the giver of the blessing, causing increase and multiplication in his life. So here... He sends them out. Just go down to verse 12. When the day began to wear away, the 12 came and said to him, Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. And then they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Jesus was saying to them, I've told you to go preach the kingdom. You know how it works. Don't come to me now and say, what should we do? Jesus says, bring it to me. You still don't understand. What is in your hands is the very thing that I'm going to bless and cause the multiplication and the increase. What did Jesus do? He looked up to heaven and he said, thank you, Father. And he broke the bread. And he gave it to the disciples. 
when he gave it to the disciples and they took it and they gave it to the people, it multiplied. And they keep on carrying and taking it and taking it. Turn to the person next year, say, the multiplication is in your hands. You know what's the good news? These disciples, they each got a doggy bag. There was 12 baskets afterwards when they picked up. God wants to give you far more abundantly than what you could ever think. When you start sharing that which you have, God will multiply it. In your hands, God will multiply it. That's where the secret is. They could have taken that bread that was placed in their hands. They could have eaten it. If they ate that bread, it would not have multiplied. But as long as they were giving it and taking it to the people, it continued to multiply. Many times people eat the bread that God has blessed and placed in their hands. I'll show you now in Corinthians. God is the one who provides bread for eating and bread for giving. But the seed that he places in your hands, you decide. The seed that he places in your hand, some of it is food for eating and some of it is seed that when you plant. But the Bible says when you take that seed, God will give you the seed because he's the provider of everything that we have. But that seed, when you give it, the Bible says God will multiply the seed. What happens when the seed gets multiplied? Your harvest gets multiplied. It says be fruitful and multiply and multiply in it. The seed that you sow, the harvest that you get back is always more. So if God multiplies the seed, it means your harvest will even be greater. Can you see why it's so important to be a generous giver? Sometimes when we plant something, we never realize, we think it's something ordinary that we're doing, but it has an extraordinary effect in the spirit. Jesus said to them, go preach the kingdom. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus gave them instruction and empowered them and said, go preach the kingdom of God. When you go to the previous verses, Jesus is saying, my father is aware of the fact that you have need of food, that you have need of clothes, that you have need of all these things. And he wants to give it to you, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Jesus was preaching the kingdom the whole time. So when this need was there to feed the people, Jesus said to them, have you not heard what I've said? My father is aware that you need all these things. If you want to give them food, give them food. Apply the kingdom principles and you'll see that multiplication will take place. When you put your faith and your trust in God, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. I'm going to close with this. Can you see the need to give to God? And when you give to him, it's to honor him, it's to glorify him. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply 
and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The truth is the seeds that you sow will always be multiplied back unto you. When you give generously, you have this promise that when you plant that seed in faith, God will multiply your seed and increase the fruit of your righteousness. This is kingdom giving. Giving cannot make you righteous, but it can increase the fruit of your righteousness. When you give in righteousness for God's sake, that kingdom principle, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, when God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's blessing, God's favor rests upon that seed, the seed will be multiplied. And when the seed is multiplied, the harvest that you receive will be multiplied. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that the fruit of your righteousness will be increased. And that's the true thing that the kingdom of God is about. Remember, it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. So I'm closing with this. Generosity begets generosity. You have to train your heart to be generous. How do you do that? By just start being generous. Whatever is in your hand is the thing that God will multiply. When we give, let me give whatever we give to honor God, to glorify God. Sometimes when we do things that seem very ordinary, has an extraordinary effect. Whether it's the year's salary or the two coins, let's do it in humility and sincerity of heart that it will honor God, that our giving will honor God and never be about us, but be about Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.